It's a blessing to be here today on Pentecost Sunday. You're going to learn a lot about Pentecost uh, uh, as we go through our message today. But as many of you know, um, I'm born and raised Jewish, became an atheist when I was very young and stayed an atheist for 24 years of my life until I got zapped by the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, and went from being a blasphemer of God to lifting my hands and calling out Jesus, hallelujah. And my life was changed in a split second. Glory to God. And the, for the last 30 plus years, I've been schlepping all over the country in full-time traveling ministry, telling people all across this nation, it's Jewish to believe in Jesus because it is. Hallelujah. So we're going to do a lot this morning, cover a lot of ground, a lot of scriptures, but two things that I hope that you'll see today. One of them is for some of you, there will be a deep revelation of some scriptures that you already knew, but you're going to see how they connect in a slightly different way today for many of you. And for some of you, this message will be an opportunity to enter into a life-changing experience. And I speak to those of you at home, don't be lazy because you're at home. Let the word of God pierce your heart this morning. Stay locked in here and at home. Stay locked in till the very end because the most powerful part of this message will come at the end. And again, for some of you, this will change your life a lot if you let the Lord do the work. Hallelujah. So let's get right into scripture. Pentecost. Hardly anybody knows what it is. Years ago, I had uh, one uh, person say to me as I was out and about preaching somewhere, Pentecost, oh yeah, that's when the priest changes his vestments, the color of his vestments. It's much more than that. Okay, so we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 49. Again, we're going to cover a lot of, a lot of different scriptures here. Speaking of the coming Messiah, Isaiah writes in chapter 49 and verse 5. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him. All right, that's what the Messiah is going to do. The Messiah did and it will do in the end times. For I will... Let's go to verse 6. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to, and again, he's speaking of Messiah here, that to raise up the tribes of Jacob, that's Israel, and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, friends, get that phrase that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. It's not enough that you should reach the house of Israel, but also reach the Gentiles to the ends of the earth. You're going to see how that fits together in a little while. Isaiah chapter 61. I'm old school. I still use a physical Bible. <laughs> Glory to God. Isaiah 61, many of you know this scripture very well. The spirit of, now this is Isaiah writing in chapter one, ver, chapter 61, verse number one. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me 
because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And many of you recognize that. Jesus quoted that very scripture from Isaiah chapter 61, verse number one, in, uh, in Luke chapter four. And when he did that, it was right, he was in synagogue, and it was right after he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me just back up a second. What we see in the Gospels is that when Jesus walked the face of the earth in his childhood and his early adult life, he was 100% man, 100% God. But when he received water baptism from John, the Jewish baptizer, John was not Baptist. From John the Jewish baptizer, when he received the water baptism, a dove alighted upon him from heaven, and there was a voice saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He was given the Holy Spirit. He was, now you say, well, Jesus, he, he's part of the Godhead. Yes, but he was given the Holy Spirit after he was water baptized by, by John. And it was then that he started doing the miracles. It was then that he started flowing in the anointing power of God's Holy Spirit, even though he was the Son of God from the start. And so was the Spirit of God. But notice the phrase he read out of Isaiah chapter 61. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And Jesus read that scripture saying, I'm as if to say, and I'm, I'm not putting words in his mouth. I'm saying, I believe what he was saying was, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I can do the work. Now I'm ready to go do the things God sent me here to do because his Holy Spirit is upon me. It's the Spirit of God. Now see, the Spirit of God has been part of God from eternity, of course. I mean, in Genesis chapter 1, we see the Spirit hovered over the water. Well, what was that? The unholy Spirit? You know, that was the Holy Spirit hovering over the water. From eternity, Jesus was with God. The Spirit was with God. The, the triune nature of God. And, you know, the way I like to show this is when we talk about the triune nature of God, it's kind of like, and this is just an analogy, it's kind of like the sun. You know, the sun is in the sky 96, 98 million miles away. It's nowhere near us. But it, when the sun shines like, it, like it's doing today, we go, oh, the sun is really bright today. Well, we're talking about the light of the sun, not the sun itself. We're talking about the light that comes forward. And when it's hot, as it was recently, we say, boy, the sun's really hot today. No kidding. <laughs> but what we're talking about is the heat energy of the sun. So the sun is in, this, in the universe, millions of miles away, but we so closely identify the light of the sun and the energy of the sun with the sun that we call them all the sun. But they're separate characteristics. Do you see where I'm going with this? That the energy of the sun is like the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Incidentally, in Hebrew, the Ruach HaKodesh means the breath or wind of the Spirit. It's the breath or wind of the Spirit. And we closely identify the energy of the sun with the sun, just like the Holy Spirit is a characteristic of the Father in heaven. And we closely identify the Holy Spirit with 
the Father, but it's a separate characteristic. And of course, the light of the Son is the light of the world. Hallelujah. Our Messiah, Yeshua, this is an analogy only, but we so closely identify the light of the Son with the Son that we call it the Son. We so closely identify the light of the world, the light of Jesus, our Messiah, with the Father in heaven, that they are one, but yet they're separate characteristics. Do you see the point? They're separate characteristics, but they're all the same, same God. They're all the same God. So it was that the, the Holy Spirit was with God from the beginning, where there was no beginning, it's eternity. It never started, it never ends, it's forever. But the Holy Spirit was available to man only on a selective basis. And we can see this scripturally, if we go to Psalm 51, that God selectively gave of the Holy Spirit in ancient days, in ancient biblical days, for his own purposes. Well, of course, for his own purposes. That was God's choice. But it wasn't available to the common man. The Holy Spirit was available to, of course, the prophets. Obviously, the prophets had the Holy Spirit. Of course, God ordained them to have the Holy Spirit so they could prophesy. Kings of Israel, eh, did every king have it? Not sure about that because there were some pretty evil kings back in, in those biblical days. But there were good kings too. But for God's purposes, he assigned the Holy Spirit when he so wanted. Saul, Shaul, the very first king of Israel, had it, then he lost it. So did King David. Look at Psalm 51. And we're looking at verse number 10, and many of you know the scripture, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right, a steadfast spirit within me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And watch, do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, watch that. It's so simple. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Well, in order to take the Holy Spirit from David, David would have had to have the Holy Spirit in the first place. You know what I mean? See, it's like, don't take my million dollars away from me. You can't do that because I don't have it. <laughs> Holy Spirit can't be taken unless he's already there. So clearly, King David had the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Numbers chapter 11. And this is really interesting. Of course, Moses had the Holy Spirit. He was a prophet. Portable. <laughs> Moses had the Holy Spirit. And look what God does here with, with Moses. Now, this is going way back into Moses' day. <clears throat> In chapter 11 and, and verse number 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. This is in the wilderness, of course. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him. Now watch these words. And took of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that was upon him, that's Moses, and placed the same upon the 70 elders. The Holy Spirit that was upon Moses as a prophet ordained by God, God took that same spirit, there's only one spirit, it's the Holy Spirit, took that spirit and put it upon the 70 elders for his specific purposes. Now watch, those 70 elders, they were elders. They were, they were I don't want to call them mighty men of God, that's the wrong phrase. They were men of God, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Ruach HaKodesh. 
because God only gave it selectively, and then he decided to give it to them in this scripture. And in verse 29 of, of Numbers chapter 11, some of the um, men started prophesying. When they got the Holy Spirit, these 70 elders started prophesying one of the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, there were others that were prophesying in there was complaints coming from the camp saying, hey, these guys are prophesying. What's going on? And Moses says to this person who complains in verse 29 of 11, Numbers 11, are you zealous for my sake? In other words, as your prophet leader, is it about me? And he's saying, no, it's not. Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit, the Holy Spirit, upon them. Who? All the Lord's people. But that's not what was happening in ancient biblical days. The Holy Spirit was given selectively and only for God's purposes. Well, of course, for God's purposes. And so be it. Now let's go into Jesus' day. And we'll go to John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, looking at verse number 16. And Jesus is speaking to his Jewish disciples. So I hope you all know this. All the apostles were Jewish, every one of them. All the disciples were Jewish. The apostles and disciples were Jewish. And uh, Jesus is speaking to them. Here in in verse 16, he says, and I will pray. I will pray. In other words, talking about something in the future. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Something coming in the future. Verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Notice the distinction. He says the Holy Spirit, and I'm paraphrasing here to make, make it clear. He says the Holy Spirit is with you now. He's here. He's on the face of the earth. Always has been, ever since the earth was created. But he will be, future tense, in you. The day is coming when he will not only be amongst you, but he will indwell you. I will pray the Father, and he will send this helper. The day is coming. John chapter 16, in verse number 7. He says, Never the, he says to the same Jewish apostles and disciples, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Give me, give me a break. Pretend for a minute you're one of the apostles. You have given up everything to follow this controversial leader. You have faced scorn. You have um, cast your lot with this man whom you believed to be the Messiah. And now he's standing here telling you, hey, I'm going away and it's better, you'll be better off when I leave. Huh? We've given everything to follow you? We have... Proclaimed, you are the promised one of Israel. You are the Mashiach. You are the Messiah. And now you're saying, oh, and incidentally, I'm going out the back door, guys. Uh, good luck. 
which is not what he was saying, of course, but it sounds like what he's saying. It's to your advantage that I go away, he says. And continuing in verse 7, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. If I depart, then I can send him to you. My opinion, I believe it's pretty clear. What Jesus was saying is, my blood has not yet been shed. Your sin is still an issue. Once I shed my blood for once for all, for the atonement of your soul, then I am opening the door for the Ruach HaKodesh to come in a way that's never been experienced by man before to indwell you. Those who follow me, Jesus would say, those who follow me will get filled with this Holy Spirit, which is to your advantage for me to leave. How is he going to leave? On the cross, shedding his blood for the atonement of the soul of the whole world. Luke chapter 24. In Luke 24, verse 49. This is after his uh, resurrection. Jesus has already died on the cross and he's been resurrected and he's speaking to these Jewish guys. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, until you are until you are endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. Now these disciples, these Jewish apostles and disciples had followed Jesus. They had seen him do miracles. They had been his advocate they had, they had seen the power of the Holy Spirit in operation through him. But now he's saying, tarry in Jerusalem. Wait for it. Because I'm, God is sending the Holy Spirit. But what's the Holy Spirit going to do? Endue you with power. What kind of power? Electric power? No. Gasoline power? No. Muscle power? No. Spiritual power. The power, the anointing power of the Holy Spirit will endue you, will come into you. Hallelujah. Power. He says there's power coming. Acts chapter 1. Verse number 5 of Acts chapter 1. Jesus again speaking after his resurrection. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Ruach HaKodesh, with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, he's speaking in the future. It hadn't happened yet. He was already resurrected, but it hadn't happened yet. The Jewish apostles and disciples were being for um, encouraged. I was going to say forewarned. That's the wrong word because it's not a warning. It was, it was an exciting announcement. The Holy Spirit's going to come, going to give you power like you've never had before. Remember, didn't Yeshua say, didn't Jesus say, greater works than these shall you do? How are they going to do that? By copying Jesus? 
Well, when he said these words, this is what happened. So we'll just say these words. No, when the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you and power comes from heaven, from the Father directly. Hallelujah. John chapter, I'm I'm sorry, we're still in Acts chapter 1. Looking at verse number 8. He continues, but you, speaking to the Jewish apostles and disciples, but you shall receive, there's that word power again. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? What does he say? And you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. What did Isaiah say? Remember in verse 40, chapter 49, we read what Isaiah said? That it was too great a thing, too small a thing that Jesus, the Messiah, he says, should come and restore the nation of Israel, but also that he should be a light to the Gentiles, that salvation would go to the end of the earth. And what does Jesus say right here? And to me, witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of all the earth. The Holy Spirit gives us power to be witnesses to the end of the earth. Now, we're not all called to be evangelists, but God, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get into that later. So, Acts chapter 2. So many of you know this. Verse number 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, endued with power from on high. Now let me show you something, a couple things. Number one, The whole concept of the anointing of the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God, is a little bit um, subjective. So some of you leave the service, any given service that we've had here, at any church for that matter, but especially at, at, at Grace, you leave the service and you say to your friend, wow, did you sense the anointing today? It was so powerful. And the other person says, no, I thought it was dead. And the next week it's the other way around. You're leaving and saying, boy, that was a dead service. And the other person said, oh, no, that was the anointing. That was really. And then there's the person that everything's anointed walking out. Did you see the anointing on the pastor's sneeze? Wow. That was not the problem in Acts chapter 2. Divided tongues of fire, the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There was no question like they were saying... Do you think that was the anointing? Yes! (laughs) Demonstrable power of God unleashed upon these Jewish followers of Jesus. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Again, God left no question. This is what Jesus was promising you. This is it. He is alive in you today. 
Continuing in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Key words here, every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And I'm going to paraphrase the next portion of Acts chapter 2. Every person heard them speaking the wonderful works of God in their own language. Now, this is amazing. These were, aren't they all Galileans? The scripture says they were. These were not learned men of the Sanhedrin or of any higher learning or any learning at all for that matter. And here they are speaking the wonderful works of God in languages they didn't understand. But the devout men from every nation under heaven who had come for Shavuot, for Pentecost, which we'll explain momentarily, they were there to hear these men speak in their own language, the wonderful works of God. And I always love this because uh, in verse 13, others mocking said they're full of new wine. And I go, oh, yeah, right. That's what drunks do. They praise God in foreign languages. <laughs> we all know that. I mean, what were they thinking? But they, they start speaking in foreign languages, the wonderful works of God. And then... Again, I'm paraphrasing here, but the Jewish apostle Peter, who couldn't do anything right. You know, if anybody was going to run into a brick wall, it was Peter. And he probably did it on purpose. He messed everything up. Well, not everything. He messed up a lot. But now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gets up and he stands before these Jewish men um, at the Feast of Pentecost. And he starts to speak like he'd never spoken before. Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And in verse of Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, here's what happened as a result of, he gave them a mini gospel, basically. He challenged them, but his words were, had the power of the Holy Spirit, which he had never had before. In verse 37, now when they, the Jewish men who were there, heard this they were cut to the heart, hallelujah, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Isn't that a dream come true that you would proclaim the gospel and the person or people to whom you're speaking would say, what should we do? God's got this. He knows how to get it done. And of course, Peter responds in verse 38, repent, hallelujah. Repent, and let every one of you be immersed in the name of Jesus the Messiah for the remission of sins. And then he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Please notice, he didn't say, we'll pass out forms. Fill out the form. The apostles and I will get together and we'll make a decision of who gets the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, call our 800 number. And if you're one of the first 100 callers, we'll ship the Holy Spirit to you for free. If you call right away, we'll throw in a second Holy Spirit. Just pay an extra fee. Not what he said. He said, repent, be immersed in Jesus. We believe, that, we believe that means come to know Jesus as your Messiah. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And then in verse 39, he says, for the promises to you and your children and all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So I'm going to take a little excursion here off to the side to explain Shavuot or Pentecost to you. In Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 2, it starts with the words, now when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Lord, um, the Lord had already set in motion this feast day back in Moses' day in the book of Leviticus chapter 23. The feast was called Shavuot, which means weeks. It's the feast of weeks. Here's why it's the feast of weeks. Because God said, count 50 days, and I'm, I'm to simplify this in the interest of time, to simplify it, count 50 days from what will, be, what will eventually be resurrection day. It's not how he said it. Count 50 days. And the way he said it was count seven Sabbaths in a day. Well, count seven Sabbaths means count seven weeks. And so the feast of Shavuot is the feast of weeks. Pentecost is a Greek word meaning 50th because seven weeks in a day is 50 days. So it's the same feast. Shavuot is seven weeks in a day. Pentecost is seven weeks in a day. It's the same thing. It's not a Christian feast. It's a feast of the Lord that God gave to the Jewish people back in Leviticus chapter 23. Shavuot was 50 days from the day that would become Resurrection Day. Okay, so one of the other things about Shavuot, it was one of three times a year in the book, that in the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy that God called all the men of Israel back to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. It was a pilgrimage feast. Shavuot was a day when devout men from every nation under heaven, just like it says in Acts chapter 2, came back to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, Shavuot or Pentecost. So that's the reason there were devout men from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem, more so than the original number of Jewish people who were there, because Jerusalem, just for the record, was a Jewish city in the Jewish nation of Israel. You get in the picture, Jewish, 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 Jewish? It's because it's real. All right, so there were devout men from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem. And then when the, when the Jewish apostles and disciples start speaking in languages they didn't understand the wonderful works of God, here were these devout men from coming back for the pilgrimage feast of Shavuot. They were there in place to hear. Can you imagine if there weren't men from every nation under heaven there to hear, they wouldn't have known what they were saying. Instead, God arranged all this so that Shavuot is Pentecost, is a feast that God had given to the Jewish people. All right, so then when Peter makes his great oration here in Acts chapter 2, to whom was he speaking? Well, we know that they were all Jewish because, well, just as an example, in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, he's, Peter says as part of his oration, men of Israel, hear these words. And earlier he had said... Um, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. So there's no question that Peter's oration was to Jewish people. The Jewish people said, we're cut to the heart. What shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized. And then he says to them, repent and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you, to the Jews, and to your children, your Jewish children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call, well, the initial thought of that to all who are afar off would be to those Jewish people who didn't come from, these devout, uh, from every nation under heaven. 
But watch this. We turn to... Um, no, I'm skipping something. See, hang on. First of all, so what happened to these Jewish men when Peter tells them to repent? Verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word, these are all Jewish guys, were immersed, and that day 3,000 souls were added to them. Wow! 3,000 Jews in one day? That's revival, friends. That's revival. And how did it occur? By the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that started this whole thing, the Holy Spirit moving in Peter that continued it, and 3,000 Jews came to know Jesus in one day by the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, see, Peter had said the promises to you and your children and those who are far off. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to do this quickly, so you're going to have to stick with me. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse... When I was an atheist, I, I had heard about the book of Ephesians, and I said, I will never read that book. I don't want to know about diseases. <laughs> Ephesians. Forget it. All right. My wife's going to get me on that one. Verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2, the Jewish apostle Paul is writing to the Gentiles at Ephesians and at Ephesus, and he says, therefore, remember you once Gentiles... Gentile meant heathen in these days. Gentile meant spiritual uncleanness. Not believing in the Most High God, but believing in foreign gods. He says that you once Gentiles at that time, verse 12, you were without Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So he's saying, you, you Gentiles, you were lost, basically is what he's saying. You didn't have a you didn't have a clue. You were lost. But now, verse 13, in Jesus the Messiah, you who were once far off. Oh, what did Peter say to those Jewish men in Acts chapter 2? The promises to you and your children and all who are afar off. And now here's Paul saying to the Gentiles, not to Jews, to the Gentiles, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Messiah. Woohoo! And again, what did we read in Isaiah? It's not enough that the Messiah should restore the house of Israel, but should be a light to the Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. You who were once far off, ends of the earth. Watch this, though. For he himself, now look, he says, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. So in those days, there were two, oversimplifying, there were two kinds of people in the world spiritually. There were the Jews who worshipped the Most High God, and there were the Gentiles who worshipped foreign gods. Never the twain shall meet. The Jews looked down on the Gentiles as being unclean, and in a way, rightly so, but not to look down on them. But God did say, don't mix and mingle with the Gentiles. Now, Paul is writing to the Gentiles, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace, to make peace between the two, but it's clear, who has made both one. Whoa! This was 
revelatory to both the Jews and the Gentiles, that there should be a unity between the two groups that were had enmity with one another. Well, he, he goes on to say, have, has made both Jews and Gentiles one and broken down the middle wall of separation. There was a wall at the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. It said, and I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said no Gentiles allowed. It was the inner court. It was for Jews only. So the Jews could walk through the Gentiles to the inner court, but the Gentiles couldn't walk into the inner court. This wall of separation was there. And let me tell you, did that lead to some attitudes? No doubt. Excuse me, I'm Jewish. I can go there. You can't. But now... Paul is saying, Jesus has made both one and broken that middle wall down so the Gentiles could come to where only Jews could come before, into the very presence of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Which in turn entitled the Gentiles to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which was available to anyone who would believe in Jesus, and Jesus paid the price for it, not just for Jews, but also for Gentiles. I know to the modern-day church, some people scratching their head saying, well, it's the Gentiles that have all this stuff, not the Jews, but it wasn't so 2,000 years ago. It was the other way around. He has made both one. He has made both one. Hallelujah. Verse 16 that he, Jesus, might reconcile them both, Jews and Gentiles, to God in one body. But how's he going to do that? Scripture says, through the cross. The unification of the body of Messiah is supposed to be Jews and Gentiles believing Jesus is the promised one of Israel, the one and only Messiah. Jews believing, Gentiles believing, unified together in him. See, reconciled means make it right. It's not peaceful coexistence. It's not you believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe, and we'll both just get along. Can't we all just get along? That's not what the scripture says. Reconcile both to God through the cross. Hallelujah. Verse 18, for through him we both have access. We have both have access to one spirit to the Father. One, so there's only one spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit unifying Jews and Gentiles together in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now here's the kicker, and the worship team is going to come up. Listen, we're going to do a song, but it's not a closing song. It's a stepping stone song. The very most important part of this service will come after the song. So for those of you at home, don't tune out. Stay locked in through this song as we'll be having it in just a minute. But God said in Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 11, you're saying, well, you're going back to Leviticus? Really? Yeah, okay. No grain offering. This is Leviticus 2, 11. No grain offering brought to the Lord shall be made with leaven. Well, that makes sense. Shall be baked with leaven. Because leavening represents sin. So God was, uh, interpreting it, God was saying, 
don't bring me an offering baked with the symbol of sin. That's not acceptable. No grain offering shall be baked with leaven. But then in Leviticus chapter 23, in verses 16 and 17, when God was explaining how to bring an offering for Shavuot, for this Feast of Pentecost, watch what he says. Count 50 days after the seventh Sabbath. There's that 50-day period. That's why we call it Pentecost. The same as Shavuot, Feast of Weeks. And you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. Grain offering. No grain offering shall be baked with leaven. Look at verse 17. You shall bring from your dwelling two wave loaves. Let me stop you right there. A wave loaf is not a, 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 um, a, an offering, a grain offering, a, what's the word I'm looking for, a cake, baked on a warped cookie sheet. A wave, wave offering. Why aren't you laughing? My wife says it's not funny. It is funny. Okay. A, a wave loaf was... A wave offering was an offering that the high priest stood before the altar and waved before the altar of God. Now, I want you to get this picture. The high priest waving, what does he say? Two wave loaves. They shall be baked of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven, the symbol of sin. After God said, don't bring me any grain offerings baked with leaven, except on Shavuot, when they shall be baked with leaven, Friends, which here's what we believe, that God was telling the high priest to symbolically have one leavened loaf, sinful Jews, representing sinful Jews, one leavened loaf representing sinful Gentiles held together before the Lord, waved as an offering unto God in anticipation of the day that through the cross there would be unity, Jews and Gentiles together by the Holy Spirit in unity. One body, one spirit, one spirit. How does that happen? By the Holy Spirit. You shall be indwelled, endued with power from on high. When the Holy Spirit comes, friends, at this congregation, we believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We believe that when you say, yes, God, he gives you. James chapter 4 says you don't have because you don't ask. Have you asked for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that you might fulfill the plans of God, endued with power from on high to reach the ends of the earth. Now again, reaching the ends of the earth. Look, the body has many members. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Jewish apostle Paul is very specific about that. Not everyone is called to come up here and preach a message or go door to door and evangelize. And if the Lord calls you to that, so be it. Hallelujah. But for some people, it's prayer warriors. For some people, it's the gift of hospitality. For some people, it's, it comes in different shapes and sizes. Okay, so just for example, can you imagine back in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell upon those Jewish apostles and they started to speak in other tongues, languages they didn't understand, the wonderful works of God, that they were knew this is going to result in the salvation of 3,000 Jews today. They couldn't have known that, and they didn't have to know that. All they had to know was the Holy Spirit is moving you to do something 
get up and do it. And how that takes shape, you never know. Friends, you never know when you might smile and there's no reason to smile and it changes somebody's life. You may never know. You don't have to know. You just have to smile when the Holy Spirit tells you to smile. You have to, look, there's a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to shut up and there's a time to speak up. Hallelujah. And you don't know the difference, but if you're led by the Ruach HaKodesh, by the Holy Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, He will use it to the ends of the earth. So some of you sitting here today and some of you at home are saying, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I have the gifts. There's nine of them. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's nine of them. They're all good. Paul says that you should desire them. You should desire the gifts of the Spirit. And if you have ever said, I'm reluctant because, well, that's for other people. That's not, my, that's not what God's called me to do. What's he called you to do? Watch football. I love football, incidentally, just for the record. No. God's calling you today. Those of you at home, God's calling you today. Some of you would say, well, I have those gifts. When was the last time you used them? Well, the world's such a mess, I just, uh, you know, all the more reason. There's a time for every purpose under heaven, and there's a time to let it flow. Listen, friends, out of our bellies, Jesus said, will flow rivers of living water. That only happens by the Holy Spirit, and God have them in to let them out. Rivers of living water flowing forth from you will only happen when you've received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, living waters. It's no longer we who live, but Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, who lives in us. Let's let our light so shine like never before. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask the uh, prayer team to come on up. And during this song, you all know this song is a very powerful song. God, I need you now. Jesus is the same, Hebrews 13, 8. Yesterday, today, and forever, the power of the anointing, the anointing power of God is still in operation, friends. If you have the gifts, but you need a punch to get moving again, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you have any other prayer need, We've got dedicated men and women up here who love the Lord and are ready to lay hands on you. Don't miss this opportunity. Those of you at home, you may need to get down on your knees and show God, I'm serious. I really want what you have for me. I want it all. Show me your glory. Be blessed. Let the words of this song resonate with you. And then we'll come back at the end to wrap things up.
from God today. Don't stand there in the pews. Get up here and get some prayer. Get what you need from God today. God's waiting for you.
of the Holy Spirit is here. Come on up and get some. Come on and get some. Be filled if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit or you're not sure. Or if you've never given your heart to Jesus, no better time than right now. Let the Spirit move amongst you right now. Those of you at home, again, maybe you need to be down on your knees showing God, I really need you. Oh God, we all need you now. Don't pass this opportunity to let the Holy Spirit move in your life, to change your life, to fill your life with the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The prayer team's going to stay up here for a while. Dwell with the Lord in whatever way you want, but if you're missing the opportunity, do you have the spiritual guts to come on up and say, yes, I need the Lord now. I need more now. Who doesn't? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's got more for you. You're free to go if you think you've got enough. You can stay where you are and support the prayer. You can come up and receive more prayer. I tell you, friends, your life will change today if you are willing to come before the Lord and ask. Simply ask, God, fill me. Fill me. Hallelujah. team continues to flow. Let me just bless you with the ironic blessing before you leave today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen.